Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm here with a very exciting guest, one of my close friends in the industry, Rosalind Drotar-Cassidy of Digital Social Strategist, the founder. So Ross has a fantastic story. This is the first time we've gotten together for a podcast, but I'm really excited to spend this time with her and uh, really excited to um, get into her brain because she has such an interesting background and really one of the best cross-functional thinkers in the world of legal marketing that I've ever run into. So uh, super awesome to have you, Roz, and thanks for coming on the show. So honored to be here. I can't tell you how much of a joy it is just to work with you. And everything that your team does is always helps me up level wherever I am. So, oh, geez, thank you so honored much. to be here. Honored to be here. <laughs> okay, awesome. All right, so let's start for the folks that are, aren't super familiar with you. One, let's talk a little bit about sort of the background. So, you know, where we're at today, digital social strategist, yeah, I mean, you do a lot of stuff around, I would say, what you say, outsource CMO stuff for the most part. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's been a long road to get here. So um, I'm actually eager to hear it and ask you for the first time myself. So like, you know, how did you end up winding up in the position where you're doing this stuff for, for law firms? It's crazy how those little steps that you take, right, to get where you are. And you're like, this is exactly what I was born to do. And it took me so long to actually get there. But now that I'm here, I get it, right? You're like, how much more patience do I need to have, you know, behind where I am now, where I need to be? But long road um, started off really, truly right out of high school. And I was going to college and I went to work for a law firm that just needed somebody answering the phones. Big, huge, major law firm in the downtown area where I And it gave me that insight and knowledge to, you know, the, the attorneys and the client relationship, if you will. Um, and I went from that big, huge firm to working for a small boutique estate and elder law practice in my backyard. So one of the associate attorneys there wanted to go out on her own. And she said, you know, I want to do estate planning and elder law. And um, I want to start my own practice. You want to go with me and I was like sure because at the time I was working full-time and going to school full-time nights I really wanted to transition to getting back into school uh full-time during the day and just finish my degree because I I was in that like I was on the path for that four-year plan right and I was only halfway through and I'm like this is going to take forever if I don't just buckle down and hunker down so she gave me this great opportunity to work behind my schedule but what was tricky is I went from big firm where somebody answered my phone it made my copies for me and did all of my discovery and everything for me because I was working with one of the managing partners to jumping that ship and working for an estate and elder law attorney to starting out. So I went from that to literally wearing every single hat in the firm. It was just her and I. But what was so phenomenal about it is I had the opportunity of getting into some really great coaching programs in the estate space with some amazing people that I still am so grateful to know that really changed my life and my career. But we took that small boutique practice that was just her and I, um, from just her and I, and, you know, doing the hustle and trying to get anybody that we can in there and shouting to the masses what we did to a million dollar practice in about two years. And it was just her and I, and then it was a team of her and I was seven and a million dollar practice. And it was not easy. And I could not have done it without some of those, you know, those major people that were there to support us tell us what to do and to guide us along the way. And we just really, truly did everything they told us to do. And I was like, holy smokes, this works. So then I went from there. I went to go work for a national marketing company that just focuses in the estate and elder law space. 
that was when I really got my feet wet in the social media and the digital space with website design and all of that. And I started working nationally for other estate and elder law practices, supporting them with launching social media, getting their websites up and running, et cetera. And this was right about the time that Facebook actually kind of started taking off, right? It was like so many people were against it. You know, a lot of people opted out even to be in the Facebook space because they're like, you know, this is not professional. This is not the place that attorneys could be. So then I left there and I went to go work for another national organization, presenting and serving as the marketing coach, for lack of better terms, if you will, implementing and servicing them with what they needed specifically to market their practice on everything from resale, wholesale, community outreach, et cetera, teaching marketing roundtables, presenting nationally, speaking to audiences, et cetera, on what to do. And then I think it was seven years ago, I decided to go out on my own mostly because I felt like my hands were tied a little bit there. I wanted to do more. I wanted my entire conversations to be around marketing when I was talking to these estate and elder law attorneys. And in that space, it was, there was always other things coming at you, right? Like, do we have the right buttons in the seat? You know, what's going on with the software and that sort of thing. And I just really wanted to push the needle, move the needle in the marketing space, because you know this as much as I do, like you can't stop the leads because you don't have that person in the seat or because you don't have the right software. Like you'll figure that out, but don't start your marketing from going because then you're going to be on the hamster wheel, right? So then I went out and I started my own business and I started off with just doing the social media and the website design, um, which then up-leveled because I noticed that a lot of people were kind of, you know, stuck in this, this place of I'm writing checks. I don't know if it's working or I don't even know what I'm writing a check for. Um, and so I started dealing more with the vendors and it's really identifying, here's your marketing plan, this is what you need. And let's really set some KPIs and when we're not hitting them, let's just have conversations with the vendors and make sure we get everything on track, which then got me into that seat of CMO. But that took, all of that took 20 years. So that was the, the stepping stones for all of that over the period of about 20 years. Yeah, it's kind of funny too, because it's like when you were saying that earlier about how everything kind of makes sense moving backwards, it really does. Because it's like you started off, you were doing a small part of things for a big firm. Then you started doing everything for a small firm. Then you started doing a small part of things for a lot of firms. Then you started doing a lot of things for a lot of firms. And now you're kind of in this position where you that's how you've gotten all that stuff too. And I never really actually heard straight from the horse's mouth, but that's super interesting. And I'll say this too, it's been awesome working with you as well to kind of see what you've implemented some awesome firms that we work with together. But yeah. as, as far as the cross-functional stuff, let's talk about that a little bit more because it's definitely a pain point that I, I've definitely seen from just kind of prospects. I'm sure we run into kind of the same conversations where people are like, I'm getting bombarded by all these different things. Everyone's saying, you know, this is the channel that you need to be on. This is the next best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. How are you able to like, you know, from kind of like that first step, somebody starts working with you. What are the things that you have people focus on? How can you sort of get a shared language to see what's working across all these different channels that people are working with? Yeah, that's a great question. I start with onboarding them doing a VIP session. So I basically block out 90 minutes and I talk about everything that they're currently doing with their marketing. Like, what are you doing? And it's so interesting because a lot of times people will say, you know, I'm not really doing anything. I have a website and I, you know, have some ads running or I'm in Ava or something like that. But then when you, when you talk to them, I'm like, no, wait a minute. 
where are your referrals coming from? Oh, they're coming from my relationships. Oh, they're, oh, I have this going or what have you. And I'm like, no, you're really doing more than you think that you're doing. You're just not doing it very intentionally or you're doing it more reactively or you just are showing up and you're not thinking about it. And from a marketing perspective, and when you do that, it allows you to leverage to double down on it when you can look at the KPIs. So what I typically do is wrap our arms around what you're currently doing. Make sure that you're diversified. Make sure that the firm's diversified. So what are you doing for your retail? What are you writing checks for, right? Like where are your workshops, et cetera? Your wholesale, that's your relationships. Like where, who are you going to lunch with every day? Who are you taking out to, you know, coffee for, uh, with? And then like your community outreach. Oh, are you doing the, the walk to end ALZ this, this month or you know, in the month of September? Just really looking at all that stuff in the digital space and looking at what they're currently doing, setting KPIs. And then from there, it turns into a real, it just organically having the conversations, looking at analytics and that sort of thing organically takes it all, really truly takes it all to where it needs to be. It's interesting when you start having the marketing conversation, what comes out of that just organically and then the awareness that it brings with, oh, look, now we're tracking our leads. We're getting all of this over here. Maybe we should put more money towards that. So that's pretty much how it, how it effectively happens in my book. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to ask you about this too, because this is something that's always confused me, honestly, because it's like, I feel like there's a thing, you know, every single law practice has some sort of a referral component, but, and also there's a weird crossover is where like, okay, well, Hey, if you get a new lead from XYZ source, but that ends up having, you know, a couple other things that are end up being referrals. Like, how do you attribute that stuff? But, you know, how do you think about attributing time? And, and the other thing too, that's, that's tough with referrals that uh, I find is just like, you know, it's hard for people to get a beat on what they're really putting into it. So like, how do you help people think about that? Cause it is obviously such a powerful thing, but it's been a little bit out of my desk from my perspective, but thinking of these conversations more often than I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're talking about particularly for the relationship, right? The referral yeah. management part. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it to me, it's one of, initially when I start those conversations, it's what I'll look at is, do we have more time than money or do we have more money than time? I love that. So, yeah. If we have more time than money, if we don't have the money that we need to write the check to do this particularly strategy, particular strategy, then we just need to get clear on that. And we need to create time in your calendar then to get those relationships going so that they do refer to you. And they will, I promise you, I have not worked with one firm to this day that can't ramp up that referral and relationship management. Then you get the revenue, then you dog, you know, dog ear that money and you take some of it and you specifically say, once we get this, now we're going to go into the retail space where now we're going to start writing checks. So those are the things where you don't have the time, right? So they don't have time. Let's repurpose a Facebook video, get it out there, do an evergreen webinar, set it and forget it. And now you're generating revenue over there as well. And you're getting an ROI. So it really just comes down to, you know, where are you at right now in your practice and what do you want to do with it? So. Okay, that's awesome. And as far as that first step too, because I could imagine like that almost leads to sort of like a personal efficiency and like coaching conversation, right? Yeah. Like you must find people that have absolutely messes of calendars or people have absolutely no idea what's going on in their day to day, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 100%. Yeah. What would you say are like the most common things that you see from people who like, you know, I'm sure there's probably somebody listening to this too. Like, oh yeah, that sounds nice to have, but I don't have any time. <laughs> so like, what do you think are the common things that people end up doing that ends up creating that perception? Or like, what are the things that people are wasting their time on, I guess? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that in, in this space, it's typically because somebody's allowing it with their calendar. 
Like I feel so often, like it's so interesting. I was just on a call this weekend and I was talking to, you know, the attorney and he's like, the only reason why I'm not doing my relationship management part is because it's blocked in my calendar, but there's nobody in there for me to call. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so let's get Sally on board. And Sally's going to pick up the phone and she's going to call all the financial advisors that are on your LinkedIn and we're going to get you an appointment there. Oh, funny how that worked, right? So I feel like if you're super intentional with your calendar, whatever it says, that's what you're going to do. And a lot of times the people on the front line are just booking, booking, booking. Or if their phone's not ringing, the attorney's just sitting back practicing law. So you have to be super, super intentional with it. And you probably see this part of it. This might be something that you can really connect with on all of this. A lot of times people are leery, right? About a new launch mm. or something that they're going to do. And within two months, they might throw their hands up in the air and go, this isn't working. Yeah. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Let's look at the analytics and really see if it's not working. And when you dig into it, you're like, oh, yeah, you, it did. It is working. Your phone is ringing. Maybe the conversions aren't where they're supposed to be because it's a training issue. Now we start working on those things. We're in month four. We're starting to see revenue. And they're like, holy smokes, this works. This was the best thing since sliced bread. But I might have cut it off earlier because I didn't know what to do with it. So I would say those are probably the two biggest things. And I'm sure you could speak into that one all day long where people are like, I gave it 30 days. This isn't working. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting too, is you're making me think of this. It's like we have some, and I see this internally and, and with like clients that we work with sometimes. There's sometimes people can come up with all kinds of ways to not do something if they don't want to do it. Yeah. The classic thing, this is a big piece of advice to talk on this podcast before. It's like, if you have somebody whose responsibility is partially hitting the phones, then they will do literally anything except for hit the phones. So it's like, I, I try to like, you know, recommend people to like, you know, if you have somebody who's responsible for that in the firm, try to paint them into a quarter because you know, they'll be, uh, you know, repainting your office door if, if, if you don't like give a reason to, but at the same time too. And like, oh. you know, it's like stuff for, you know, sometimes if we need to get a piece of creative from a client or something like that, and again, there's clients who listen to this, I'm not pointing any fingers here, but like, I do this myself, to be honest, if like, if I'm maybe 98% sure on something, I'll just be like, well, you know, maybe. And sometimes, you know, people uh -huh. will, will spend two hours, like, you know, recording content. And it's, you know, five minutes of recording content, not 155 minutes, you know, staring at the record button. So it's like, yeah, I, I would, I, I, you're absolutely right. And it does, it turns into that coaching conversation because it's not within their typical, you know, in the legal space, it, you know, they don't typically, they, there's, you know, they went to law school and they want to practice law and they want to help. Like, that's why I love what we do with the estate and other law space, like such amazing humans and the work that they do. Right. But that's what they want to be doing all day long, unless they have that instinct that's marketing. And a lot of times they don't. And so even just giving them permission to acknowledge that and take baby steps, you know, just pull up your camera and give me a two minute video. You know, mm -hmm. these days it's might even only be 60 seconds that you're going to get away with, you know, yeah, yeah. something catchy, but just even coaching them. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've shown up and so I'll just, just let me interview you. Then you don't want to be alone. Let me interview you. And we'll do that. And we'll put that out there. And then they're like, oh, it worked. And it, it kind of builds that confidence. But you're right. It turns into a coaching conversation 100%. Yeah. And yeah. kind of on that note, as far as the situation, so estate and elder plan. And like, just to be clear, like we do have some people that are in, I would say we have, you know, we've been putting a lot of content out around estate and elder planning. So they're, they began, but it's sort of broader. But as far as like the people that, that do fit that bill, I find it such an interesting practice area because it really functions a little bit different than the other ones in the sense that it's, you know, 
it's usually a problem that people can think that they can walk away from, even yeah. though, you know, uh, anyone who's in probate court is evidence of that, <laughs> that, that not working out. But also I feel like a lot of people get into it for lifestyle reasons when it's like secretly one of the most profitable practice areas that's out there. So yeah. I mean, based on your, you know, kind of experience of working in the space, like what do you think that estate and elder planning attorneys need to know specifically, or like what kind of common traits do you see in those folks as opposed to other lawyers that you worked with over the years? Like, what do you think are the common personality traits that, that people get in their own way with? Yeah. And you're so spot on. It's, you hit the nail on the head. Cause I have actually worked in the, I, I've been in family law, criminal defense, and uh, like the, this, like uh, medical malpractice defense and working for the city and the county defense. And what's interesting is in the estate and elder law space, aside from that, is um, it's one of those things people can tend to table, right? Like you said, not necessarily if it's a probate or if, you know, mom or dad flipped in a, and fell and they're in a nursing home and now we need to do something, but it's something that people will table. What I find that's interesting about the estate and elder law space is I will tell you that the they are typically social workers at heart and they just want to help. And that marketing kind of feels cheesy in there. Like to go out and do the marketing piece of it, sometimes it feels cheesy. Whereas mm -hmm. in, you know, family law or criminal defense, like they're like, no, we got to get out there. How much, you know, how much money do you need? So there just tends to be this, this piece that you have to get over that is you're an entrepreneur. First and foremost, if you have your own practice and you got to treat it like a business as opposed to, you know, taking your, your law degree out there and practicing law all day. Cause you, at the end of the day, you won't, you won't survive. You won't thrive. Somebody else is out there doing it. They're taking your space and then people won't find you and they need to. So that's my biggest, I would say, the hurdle they got to really kind of drill in. And once I think they get that, they're like, all right, let's go. Let's yeah. do this. I think it's one of those bells you can't really unring too. Cause it's like, if you think about it too, like for anyone who's, who's like, you know, obviously we talk about running seven figure practices all the time too. And that's a good thing to aspire for. But if you think about the amount of people, you know, if you, even if you're billing a healthy amount, four or $5,000 or a trust package or something like that, to get to the point where you're doing a million dollars plus in business, you're touching a lot of families in a good way. And you're, you're changing the trajectory of a lot of this other stuff. And like, you know, they, I think that people mistakenly project some sort of like greed on people that are farther on the path, but they're the same people. They start off in the same place as a lot of the solos and then they're just doing it at a better scale. And like, I'll say this too, like your average stressed out solo probably has less time to focus on the case than somebody who's built up a team to the point where they can, you know, have specialists and all this different stuff too. So it's like, I feel like people have to give themselves permission to it sometimes, but like, yeah, no, I totally agree with that, Roz. Okay, so switching away, kind of back to, I, th I thought this was really interesting. You had that framework of time versus money and something that you go with clients. I find the concept of like order of operations in terms of like scaling a business, like really, really fascinating. So what are your, like, how do you think about the priorities for somebody? And then just out of curiosity, in terms of like the range of people that you're typically working with, you know, what's kind of the smaller end as far as like, like did you work with any solos or like what's kind of your situation when people are, are hiring you for the first time? Yeah, you know, it's great. I, I love that question and I'm big on meeting them where they are. And like mm -hmm. I said, I'm really big on, do you have more time or more money? And then let's go from there. I, my offer will start off just doing social media. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that once they start in that space and they start to see what comes out of just being consistent every single day and their demographic can do for them, they start to naturally kind of up-level the conversation. Oh, wow, this is working. My phone's starting to ring. I couldn't, I can't believe this is happening just from like Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok and LinkedIn. Like what more can we do? Mm -hmm. Right. And so then the next piece of that is lead generation, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that works too. 
wow, my phone's already to ring, you know, because we have Jan on board mm -hmm. and this stuff really works. It's crazy Facebook stuff <laughs> really works, right? Yeah. And yeah. then, okay, now you wrap your arms around it, sort of thinking of it like you have a business, you know, let's let's really up-level the conversation and create a marketing plan with a marketing budget. Be super intentional with what you're doing from one week to the next. Okay, gotcha. So we're kind of starting for that kernel of the social media, expanding through paid, and then like kind of like the level after that is just kind of like, yeah. and I guess I'll probably change market by market, firm by firm, based on what they're talking. Yeah, about. probably. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. And at what point do you do you consider doing stuff like getting people's like um you know getting that first marketing hire? Like, when do you recommend people start thinking about that? Because I feel like there's kind of this idea I've seen put out there where you're just like, oh yeah, just hire your, like you know some slick college student that'll just will just be your your marketer. Like, but like, how do you usually um kind of and again also sort of those adjacent positions like you know the client success director, which you know is absolutely so key to making sure that anything you're actually generating converts. Yeah. So when do you recommend people start thinking about those kind of conversations? Yeah, I think that's an organic thing too, that you just have to really be in touch with, with your practice and where you are. I personally would recommend like what I would see success if I were to tell somebody, all right, you're just starting your practice right now and it's you and you, you've hung your shingle. Maybe you're operating out of your home or what have you, at least ha having somebody that can answer your phone so that you're not the person that's on the front lines. It's just the way that that lands sometimes might make people go, hmm. Do they have the experience really that I need, right? So just having the professionalism, I would think, with just having somebody to answer the phone. Then from there, when you get to where your phone is ringing and you're, you can't keep up with the, the piece of it that is, I need a balance between 50% production and 50% marketing, you absolutely need to hire. And it depends on what that is. If your marketing's to the point where like, I just hopped off a call with another attorney. She's like, I feel like I need a part-time marketing person. And I said, you absolutely do because we're losing some of the, the follow-up that's happening and we can absolutely see that. So somebody needs to be making sure that that happens because that's your low-hanging fruit. And she already had people doing the production, but sometimes it goes the other way. Sometimes you're like, well, you know, the, mo the majority of my relation or my referrals are from the relationship piece, which that's a higher conversion. Like your conversion rates for a referral are going to be higher than a conversion rate from, you know, something that you get through your website. So sometimes then that will just organically go into just a workflow. You don't need to do as much follow-up there. Mm -hmm. So then do you need somebody more in production before you need somebody in marketing? So honestly, that I think that just requires you knowing what your analytics are and where your business is. But that's something that we, those are conversations that I have all the time. Yeah. Who do I right now with where I am in my practice? And it it's pretty easy to tell once you look at it, kind of where you are and where you need to be, where you're going. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because it's like, I feel like I've definitely had times in like my business, like speaking about case fuel, just like when we've had a situation where things like have been like going on gut or like what feels right right now. But yeah. I mean, what I see is kind of interesting is the commonality with like a lot of these different decisions. Like you're almost able to put it into an opportunity cost, right? Like, you know, how many deals are oh, you closing? I love that. Yeah. But it's also something that's, it's so hard to do like until you get the analytics set up. Right. I think it's probably the scariest thing to do, right? Your first hire. Like, yeah. And then I think that's how you and I started our conversation. I was like, <laughs> yeah. do you know anybody looking for a job? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, people looking for them. But I think that's a big piece of, and it's scary even if you, you're past that first hire, right? Because you're like, it's, it can be a real painful process, you know? And then they quit or they leave and you're just like, oh, here we go again. 
So hiring is a whole tricky piece of it that I think if you're really clear, like you said, with analytics, like I was saying, like you look around, you're really clear what you need and you're really clear with what type of person would fit that role. You can't put a marketing position in a role where they're going to be sitting behind the scenes doing productions and pushing paper for probates. Yeah. They will die in that role and it, can't, and it can't go the other way, right? If you have somebody who just wants to sit back and and do that part of it that's so crucial, the funding or pushing the paperwork and all that. And you take that person and you put them on the front lines and you're like, do the follow-up. They're like, I, I would rather- Kill me. Yeah, it's like a summit. <laughs> I would rather do anything but this right now. So yeah, yeah, it, requi it's, it definitely requires not being reactive and just sitting and pausing and being really present to what, what do we really truly need? And here's the thing I really firmly believe in, and you probably see this too. If you just kind of pause stop and you look at your reporting consistently weekly, it will tell you, it will scream out to you exactly what you need mm -hmm. in every step of the way. Very much like we do with marketing, right? Like you mm -hmm. see the ads performing, but then the conversion to the landing page might be broken. Okay, let's make the landing page better. The mm -hmm. landing page, then now it's better. Now people are opting in and they're showing up, but the close isn't good. Then who's delivering it? What's the close at the end of the webinar? Like it's very telling when you start to look at your numbers and your practice as a whole what you need. And if you just look at that reporting consistently every weekly with no make wrong, right? There's yeah. nothing wrong. Nothing's broken. This is just bringing awareness to what we need to grow and to up level. I think that's where you start to find your answers. Yeah. It's super funny too, because like, I feel like a lot of people talk about analytics as kind of like a nice to have thing at the end of the, but it really enables business intelligence and just being able to kind of put these things in a way where it's like, no, this really uh -huh. isn't an option. If you want to take this stuff seriously, you want to look uh -huh. at any seven figure firms, find me a seven figure firm. That's uh, just you know, flying by the seat of their pants. It's <laughs> just going off of gut feel. They don't exist, but like, yeah, it's like, you know, people try to put these, I think on some level too, not to get it back into the, you know, <laughs> too much of the mental health uh, coaching conversation. It's like, sometimes you get in these situations. It's like, look, I remember when I was in college and then, you know, do you want a receipt at the ATM? Hell no. I don't want to look at that. I know what it's like. It's not good. I don't want to look at it. <laughs> that is a great, that is a great way. Cause it kills your soul, right? Yeah, exactly. Are you, the same thing with, are you the same with marketing too? Like I do the same thing. If I'm responsible for a line item and you know, the leads are in the tank. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. Like, you know, but you shine a light on it. You're just, I love that analogy. It's so true. Back in the day, you would look at your receipt and you're like, oh my gosh, I got $2 left in my name. <laughs> a week before I get paid, it looks like top ramen. But yeah. yeah, so incredibly true. But then, right, when you start looking at them and you manage it better, you're like, yeah. okay, this, I got to do something about it. Yeah. Well, and that's the only way out too. Like, and again, it's like, you know, it's, it's like, you, you know, if you don't know where to, to focus on this stuff too, you can't just work hard and look, and I know a bunch of people who are unintentionally career solos because they just yes. thought they were pushing through the next month, just trying to get to the next, uh, you know, month of run check. And then just like, you know, you do that for too long. It's tough. But I mean, I think that's why it's so brilliant about like, you know, the time versus money thing too. It's just like, it's such, once you get to the point and, you know, you have to kind of, you know, if you want to hustle, but you want to keep the space to really take and keep the space, hold a little bit of money so you can actually get to that yeah. next level and um, take to the, some of the things. But um, okay, that, this has been awesome. And one more thing I would love to say just into the time and the time and the money part of it too. I would I would really challenge or, or get anybody listening to just kind of question where you feel if you're sitting in your, in your practice right now, where you feel that that is most exciting. Is that, it, are you more excited out in the, you know, in your community? shaking hands and kissing babies and doing relationship part of it? Or are you more comfortable sitting 
back doing the initial consults with, you know, whoever's working the marketing that's getting the phone to ring, um, like, are you, where, where do you sit that you feel most comfortable with? And if there's one over the other, if it's more than that, I would rather, um, you know, I don't want to do workshops, but I'm fine doing initial consults or I'm fine, you know, doing the delivery and the signing or that sort of thing. Pay attention to that and just get somebody else in that sweet spot. That yeah. is, and that's the, that's the best part is when you get that practice to that place where you're like, all right, everything's rocking and rolling. What do you want to do all day long? Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And I think it's like, you know, it's, it's tough to get out of that for people, especially kind of at the smaller, the solo stage when you're wearing multiple hats. It's like, the truth is you do need all of those things, but you don't need to be the person doing all those things. Yeah. Same thing. And like yeah. something, yeah. And like, so it kind of folds back to the hiring conversations. Like, I feel like people like to avoid making the decision. Like, all right, cool. I kind of need some more production. I kind of need some more leads. So I'm just going to hire a person that does 50-50. I don't know if that's ever worked. Like, yeah. But yeah, yeah, once you have the clarity to make the decisions, it's like, yeah, you know, there is still a, a step to cross, but that's awesome. Okay. So I want to talk about kind of, you know, it's been a long trajectory as far as the different thing. We're talking about, hey, you know, back in the day, there was this new player in the block called Facebook. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool. So people hopped on early. It probably worked out pretty well for them. Yeah. So yeah. how have you seen things change in the last couple of years? And like, what are you the most excited about in terms of the world of social media or any other marketing in the space today? Oh, such a great question. One of the things I would say for me that so, and I, I want to say this in a way that lands well, is that world is out there and it's not going away. And I think if anything, like you and I were probably out there trying to shout that to everybody, like mm. they didn't, they were, they didn't want to pull the trigger. They didn't want to do the social thing. COVID hit. And I think anybody I'd ever had an initial consult with was in my inbox or blowing up my phone. They're like, what do I do now? Right. So, you know, to me, it's, it's not ever going to go away and it is forever changing. And I like to say in the digital marketing space and that space, that line item on your marketing plan, it's like, it can be like playing whack-a-mole every morning. Like you would wake up and you're like, wait a minute, links are broken and this post didn't go to stories and you know, oh, the TikTok's been shut down or whatever. And you're, you're just like constantly happy to like put out fires or what have you. But I would say this, that it's not going anywhere. Get used to it. It's a moving target. Don't beat yourself up too much over it, but just make sure that you have somebody in your corner that has that space for you that's making sure that you're getting out there and you're consistent in it. Because like I said, if you're not, someone else is. Someone else in your space is dominating that. And I like to say it's kind of like this big grid of real estate, right? And if you don't stake your claim in it, if you don't go out there and put your name and your space, your your potential law firm in that space of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, what have you. Uh, if you're not playing in it, Google My Business, all those things. Your competition is, and the sooner you get in it, you're consistent in it. The more you're going to crush it. So the people that you and I work with that have already been in there, like it's small pivots from here, right? Like, oh, they changed their algorithm over here, or we need to do this. But when you're just starting out it's a whole different ball game. And so I would just say, just be really, I don't know. I think you could probably chime in on that better than I could. That's just my take on it is so often, like I'll see somebody reach out to me and they don't, they don't even have like their firm URL in their, in their email. Yeah. And their email is different than their URL. And I'm like, these are the keys to your digital house. I like to tell them. And you're yeah. just, you're, there's inconsistency all over. So I would love to know your thoughts on that too. Like, what are your thoughts on, for this forever changing, but never going away space. 
Yeah. Well, I really like your concept of kind of like the real estate grid too, because it's kind of funny. I always think about too, and just like, and also folding back a little bit to our conversation about referrals and stuff. If you think about it, someone today in your practice area is asking, who's probably a peach client is asking somebody, do you know anyone who does estate planning? You know, anyone who does elder planning? And if the person that's being asked happens to be an avid Instagram user and you're on Instagram, then maybe they saw your ad two weeks ago, or maybe they saw an ad, maybe they saw your post. And like, that's one of those things. So it's like, it's almost like these little, you know, the real estate kind of corresponds to these pockets of people. And it's, it's kind of funny because it's like, people always sometimes try to ask, oh, what's hot right now? What's the new thing? What's this? What's that? And the truth is, it's like, they're all kind of important to different groups of people, I think, right? But like, you know, newsletters too, like people ask, oh, you know, some people, oh, yeah, like I have the newsletter. It's like, that never went away. It's all this kind of stuff. And it's like one of these things too, you're doing all this marketing. And I feel like people don't appreciate enough as far as just kind of the, the work that people have already done, you know, even yeah. as a client, you've collected cash from that's, you know, those people have conversations all the time. You know, I, <laughs> this is super funny. I don't want to blow up anyone's spot, but um, <laughs> a friend of mine was like, Hey, Jan, you work with lawyers I'm getting married. I like, how does prenups work? And it's just like, you know, <laughs> one of the situations, like, Hey man, I'm like, I'm just, but it's just like, these, <laughs> these things will happen. And you just got to realize, cause it's like what, when having done something, any client of yours, if they're public about what they have to do, and obviously some, you know, forms of law, are a little bit more amenable to other than that, then, you know, they have more expertise than somebody off the street. So they could become a magnet for that stuff. But the grist yeah. of that is the social strategy, because if they forgot, I mean, again, not that they'll ever forget who you are, but you can certainly be a lot more top of mind than the last time that you worked with them. I love that. And, and I want to go back to what you said too, if they hear about you through that referral source, right? They're going to Google you, especially in the legal space. Like you're, you're in that realm of, um, you know, doctors and all of those things. So if I'm going to go to this professional, I'm going to do my research, right? I'm going to go online and I'm going to Google your name and what they see, right? Because these social spaces, they're search engines too. Mm. I mean, YouTube, all of those things. So what they see when they do that research is very telling as well. Just do, I would challenge everybody here. And if you have any questions on this, let me know. Like, I'd love to do that. Like an online visibility check, like what happens when an end user, what they really see. And what they see is very different than what you see because they're all, these browsers are all used to who you are. So you have to do a real authentic, organic search from, you know, clean browser that really researches your name and look at what they see. And I like to tell people, think of it as they're driving up to your house during that time or your office, you know, does it have broken tiles and the curtains are hanging off the wall or is it this really great, clean, consistent place of content and opportunity and ways for them to get to know and connect with Okay, that's awesome. And yeah, just to yeah. kind of cement to like the importance of all this stuff too, it's just like, you know, everyone's had a week where you're just like rolling in the referrals and they're all closing at the highest percentage. And like, that's what's possible when you have this stuff dialed in in a real way too. Cause it's like, you got to understand all the conversations that are happening around you. It's, it's such a powerful thing. Um, okay. So, um, Roz, I think we're getting towards the end of our time, but, um, as far as kind of people who are resonating with this, what's the best way to get in your world? Yeah, go to my website. It's digitalsocialstrategist.com. Um, you can opt in there. You can actually schedule a discovery call with me straight there or just email me. It's Roslyn, R-O-S-L-Y-N at digitalsocialstrategist.com. Whatever is easier for you. My phone number is right there on the website as well. Um, there's ways for you to contact me or schedule a um, diagnosis right there on the website. So whatever is easier for you on there, I would love to pick up the phone and have a conversation and just talk about where you are, where you want to be, and how we can get you to you know, bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Okay, that's awesome. And then, okay, so, and guys, I just want everyone to just to kind of, 
think about the through lines of this stuff. I know like we talk about a lot of different stuff on the show sometimes, but there are these sort of master keys that you can have to be able to navigate these things in the right order in the way they can choose. And like I said, at the beginning of the show, Roz is really one of the best out there that's doing it. And I, I'd recommend listening to this stuff closely just to see what's kind of happening and see if there's anything that you can take. But um, anyways, Roz, I super appreciate the time. And um, oh, thank you. Yeah. And for everybody else, I'll see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.